Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, I was just looking out my window right now and... Uh... To the window! To the wall! <laughs> today, uh, I'm not going to sing the rest. Uh, today we are reviewing Joe Wright's The Woman in the Window, uh, starring Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Wyatt Russell, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Jennifer Jason Lee, Julianne Moore, um, Fred uh, Hershinger, uh, Tracy Letts, my dad shows up. Um, well, he wrote it too. Oh, adapted it. I know. I mean, I'm going to get into all of that because I tweeted being like, I can't believe there's so many talented people involved in this movie and we get this. Um, it's uh, out today uh, for you guys to watch on Netflix. Um, At long last. Yeah, it was originally a 20th Century Fox release and then Disney bought Fox. Uh, didn't know what the hell to do with it. Uh, you know, it test screened. They wanted to do reshoots. I don't know if they ever had ended up doing them i think they did and then they said it never really changed the outcome of the movie so they it's went still, back to the original version and then uh you know and then disney decided to sell it to netflix which kind of makes sense after watching it. it you know there's a lot of you know star power in the movie for you know for the most part as well as you know a, a, a name director and things like that so it feels like a netflix movie to me um it feels like one of those airplane novel kind of like throw it on netflix and people will click on it because it has amy adams and it looks pulpy and and, and stuff like that Well, that's but, the whole point of it um, right because yeah. that's what that's what this is that's what the girl on the train is that's yeah. essentially what gone girl is gone girl oh, totally. you know is but elevated but, a little bit well elevated because of the filmmaker <laughs> yeah um it, it, it is pretty much that yeah. yeah so this is also based on a novel like i said like an airplane kind of novel um a pulpy airplane novel um and yeah so disney decided to just uh sell it to their the Netflix, competitor, which which, which kind of <laughs> makes sense to me. Like I don't know, but also like, kind of shows you like how bad this movie is. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. if Disney is willing to sell to their mainstreaming competitor uh, a film, and Netflix actually accepting it, 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 it goes to show you that like again, they also have a a big movie star in this that they're working with right now on Disenchanted, the Enchanted sequel. So it's like. And I mean Anthony Mackie and Wyatt Russell in it too. Yeah, which just, they just coming had off in, the Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier. Like you said, it's an amazing cast. You have Bruno Delbanel, who's the cinematographer. Um, you know, who's worked with everybody, like, including like the Coen Brothers for Inside Lewin Davis. So you know, like this cast and crew, like even Joe Wright, who's hit or miss, yeah, is a, is a good enough and competent filmmaker to know better. When it comes to what this movie is and like even kind of going deeper into the sort of behind the scenes of it all, um, Tracy Letts did an interview with The Playlist last year saying that he was never able to really kind of crack the script or he never felt like he he was able to kind of like get a, a feeling for it. And right. he called he said that the project overall kind of sucked. So <laughs> so if he is saying that before the movie comes out, like you know that you have problems and this movie has them. Now, is it a slick well-made glossy you know turd yeah absolutely yeah, i agree yeah um does it does it derive from rear window to the point of where it's so self-aware and self-conscious that it has to actually show a visual of 
Jimmy Stewart in rear window and sort of mid pause in the opening mm-hmm. scene to kind of quote unquote beat you to the punch of thinking that it's rear window. So yes, it we does. know it's rear window, yes. guys. We is know the cat's name punch. Yes, it is. Um, so basically what you have is Amy Adams is an agoraphobic uh, former child psychologist, Dr. Anna Fox, who witnesses across the street uh, her new neighbors that move in, um, the Russells, uh, a horrible accident or not accident, a domestic uh, violence or disturbance uh, that happens to Julianne Moore's character, uh, Jane Russell, who is not the uh, famous uh, movie star, but it is referenced also in this. There's a lot of references to older films. Uh, they strike up a rapport uh, before the incident. And when she sees uh, her new friend uh, being stabbed, she doesn't take a photo, but she's still convinced that uh, she saw what she saw, even with new prescribed medications. Uh, she's seeing a therapist at least she's an alcoholic. Yeah. Two to three times a week. She's, she's medicating herself with not only uh prescribed medication but as you mentioned matt alcohol um she separated from her husband and uh young daughter it she's a complete mess and so when it comes to her trying to convince anybody else of what she saw it becomes basically a classic uh gas lighting scenario where everybody else is convinced that you know this is all brought on by side effects due to her medication or that she, you know, is, is, has experienced past trauma. There's tons of twists and turns, none of which are earned or interesting, <laughs> yeah. almost laughable at times. Oh, totally. The supporting yeah. cast, as you mentioned, is such an embarrassment of riches yeah <laughs> that when you watch this movie, you're like, why were they even cast in this? Like, I understand Gary Oldman essentially having a cameo as the sinister husband. He's kind of the Raymond Burr character of this situation. Um, you know, having already worked with, with Joe Wright previously. I mean, on everyone's pretty much a cameo except for Amy Adams for the most yeah. part. And Wyatt Russell, I guess. But, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you. Um, I, I, I don't think I like hate it or anything, but it's just, um, so painfully mediocre and I think it is even more frustrating when you have so many talented people involved and I think that's kind of its biggest crime um, because I think the movie plays out you know exactly like you'd expect for like one of these pulpy airplane novels like A Girl on the Train and I, I, I love Gone Girl but I agree with you that that's kind of elevated by Fincher kind of you know being Fincher and 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 making that movie where I don't think you know Joe Wright or I, I'm, I'm with you where I'm hit or miss on joe Wright, mostly miss i think but um because well, he does a lot of elaborate period pieces that you're not yeah. necessarily a fan of like atonement mm-hmm. and the adaptation yeah. of anna corinna with Anna-Karina, uh, uh kira knightley but he also <laughs> did hannah which i actually think worked like i yeah. I, I think that that movie well, i didn't like hannah when i saw it but i i would say give remember. that a, another chance but like you yeah. listen to like even the score of that is interesting it's the chemical cool by brothers the, yeah yeah, um, yeah but i actually do like joe Wright. To a certain degree, I think he's, you know, we talk about like actors being miscast. I think that he was the wrong choice to do this movie because because Tracy Letts is the writer on this and adapting. And there's another like a guy who's super talented yeah. and a great writer. And, and he's somebody that you can tell like in the script, there are moments throughout this movie that kind of play into 
his own weird perversions. Tracy Letts is a guy that's very, very honest and blunt, but he also like you look at his work, you look at Bug and you look at Killer Joe as both plays and and screen adaptations. You know, they have characters that August are Sash County. They have characters that are slowly unraveling and losing their minds, usually in, in a single location, like again, like Bug, um, which is I guess that's almost where probably they the reason why they hired him or he was maybe interested in it because Bug kind of has a similar structure of like you know, a character or characters in, in, in the case of that movie with Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon, you know, sort of basically living in this hotel room and thinking that the outside world is, is out to get them. And also that they're being inhabited by, you know, microscopic insects in their skin um, where the, you know, the agoraphobic character here doesn't want to go outside and, you know, is, is kind of dealing with something that we come to learn as, as the story progresses, um, I just feel like you, you needed somebody who is willing to go and, and be really trashy and over the top. Joe Wright wants to make this slick and yes, exactly. cool and really kind of, again, like Fincher, he, he literally, I, I feel like he, he kind of looked at this and it's like, okay, this is going to be my panic room. You know, it, it yes, it is derivative of rear window, yeah. but specifically yeah. I'm going to make a movie that's kind of like just panic a fun room thriller where yeah. the camera is moving nonstop. Yeah. Everything is kind of, you know, nothing sits still for more than five seconds and it's going to be nauseating where again, there are moments that sort of, percolate throughout where it's like okay this could have actually been really sleazy or added like a little bit of of stink to this because the characters are so you know abrasive and aggressive to one another within this story so why not go that extra mile and be mean and nasty nasty but it, it it doesn't and it's kind of disappointing and even with somebody like amy adams sort of at the center of it all um it just kind of feels like a disposable thriller that you know with the sum of its parts should be much better than it actually is, or at least entertaining. Yeah. And I I'd say it's borderline entertaining. Um, well, you, you like the taco bell mention. I did. Yes. I did like the, uh, opening taco bell mention. I said something else to you when I texted, I was like, how can you hate a taco bell reference? And well, she loves else. old movies like, as well. So yeah, she's always too. watching she has a Blu-ray like, collection, well, Blu-rays um, and DVDs and she yeah. mixes them. Maybe that's another reason why I didn't love the movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I I think the movie obviously has to be carried by Amy Adams, who I like. I just again I don't think she has like a whole hell of a lot to do here. And like you said, it is derivative of Rear Window, which is very blatant and obvious. And um and I, even to it's like you, like you said, it's nauseating, like overly stylized direction. Whether it was from like you said, the cinematography constantly moving or on a steady cam or drifting upwards and downwards and like trying to show you this big New York kind of house that she lives in by herself and like again and i love wyatt russell but i just feel like you know every brian tyree henry great actor jennifer jason lee great actor like um all these people that are kind of just thrown in there and given these like nothing kind of roles to the point i'm like why bother and then um you get like there's one jarring sequence where like you get like blood splattered on the screen like digital like stylized blood splatter thing that like that it was just so weirdly off-putting because it just didn't feel like 
it fit with the rest of the movie, even though the movie is hyper directed and hyper stylized and slick, like Eric was saying, but like that moment, especially with like this, the snap uh, zoom and the blood coming onto the, like the digital, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, right? I, I, yeah, I, I know and, exactly and then, what you're talking about. And, and that was just like, okay, that was weird. And, um, and I'm like, I don't know what tone the movie was going for, especially with that. And I'm like, is it going for camp? And like, I think it is, you know, or at least from the script's point of view, it is. Yeah. But then again, like Joe Wright is is making this movie Sormus almost palatable for the mainstream. You know, right. like if you look at you, you look at something like Brian De Palma's Body Double, which is also again derivative. I mean, Brian De Palma is the perfect example here of a guy who's literally. Trying to be to Hitchcock, <laughs> be Hitchcock after Hitchcock, and yeah. Body Double is his rear window. Um, that movie, though, I mean, is very much of the eighties. I mean, it has a whole montage of, of Frankie goes to Hollywood's relax within the film. Incredible! You would really love the movie if you haven't <laughs> seen it. Uh, I haven't, but I feel um, like it would. It's so sleazy and gross, but it works perfectly for the tone, and that's what this movie kind of does when you mention when you reference something like the 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 blood splatter or even dress to kill a little bit it, yeah like it, it it wants to go it wants to it wants to do so much but not go over the edge and it needs to go it doesn't over want the to edge. like yeah where if it does go over the edge i think that's probably off-putting to a general audience yeah. maybe right but then it makes it a more interesting movie because then when you water it down with going okay i want to throw in a little bit of that stuff to show like hey this is what i'm trying to do but then make it accessible to you know a netflix audience or even before they knew it was a netflix movie just a general audience in a theater uh coming from fox perspective and i'm wondering what that re-edit would have looked like and then um but then supposedly it tested just as poorly is that that's what happened and then they ended up you said like this is the original cut most yeah likely, and, and let's also in that playlist interview was talking about the the thing that he had the most trouble with was kind of getting into the mindset of the character and reflecting that within the script on sort of like an outward kind of way. So like, you know, her, her inner sort of anxiety is manifesting itself within the house. So it basically becomes like a house of leaves kind of situation where yeah. it all like, again, like another movie that it kind of reminded me of that, 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 that's a, that's a great film that we keep talking about all the time is, is Charlie Kaufman's, you know, I'm thinking of ending things where like, it almost feels like the mind is manifesting this whole thing. And that's what this movie is doing a little bit where, you know, you're, you, you have the unreliable narrator and the idea that this character, you know, is processing more than just the shock of a potential murder, but also, you know, the things that are going on in her life. And so you have to reflect that on an outward <laughs> way because, you know, a lot of, of, of novels are obviously, you know, first person like perspectives monologue, and yeah, monologuing. Um, so yeah. how do you do that? And, and, and let's again, in this interview says that like, that was the thing he struggled with the most and could never really crack it. And you can kind of tell again, like when they're trying to kind of blend sort of past and present and, and sort of, you know, create suspense within the mind 
it doesn't come off as well as as some other filmmakers have sort of interpreted that. It's not as surreal uh, as it wants to be, even with kind of the the elliptical editing throughout this movie, where it's like you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the yeah. days are all blurring together. And a lot of people might be able to relate to that. I mean, we we talked a little bit about it with with Oxygen as well, where you're having these movies that are coming out, you know, now that not aren't aren't necessarily about. The pandemic, the pandemic, but yeah. you know, like the idea of of brain fog and things like yeah, that, and losing track days of and, time, yeah. and and all that is in this, and 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 oxygen, obviously, also oxygen is on Netflix and, and a much better movie. And probably should check that out yeah. instead. Um, but it just it right is just the wrong filmmaker um to to sort of tackle this stuff you need a modern day brian de palma you know somebody that's kind of fearless in sort of depravity and showing sort of well even fincher and the gone darker girl, stuff like gone girl has the nastiness that we're talking about right like yeah. gone girl isn't afraid to kind of go there and um i think Fincher is one of those guys where you sure, know, Joe sure, Wright but maybe. he's he's maybe on, not he's as, on the top yes. level where like even if you get somebody that's like a solid journeyman director, someone who's really trashy. Like I was even thinking like it's not a good movie, but it kind of also reminded me a little bit of the Lee Daniels film, The Paperboy, where that sure. movie understood that movie had a better grasp of sort of like that Southern neo-noir trashy kind of filter, even to the point of, you know, shooting it in almost this kind of like sickly yellow glow. Again, not a great movie, but it understood what kind of film it, you know, Lee Daniels understood what kind of movie it was. Um, and there's, yeah. there's, I don't mind, like the, I can understand a lot of people saying like, well, it's very derivative of rear window, but there are tons of movies that have taken, you Disturbia. know, Disturbia, <laughs> well, Fright Night, um, Fright the Night, Bedroom yeah. Window with Steve Gutenberg and Isabelle Huppert, <laughs> the ultimate pairing from 1987 with, uh, directed by Curtis Hansen, which just came out through, uh, Kino oh, wow. Lorber, yeah. uh, which I highly recommend. Not very good, but, but kind of fun, um, yeah. in a trashy kind of way. Um, you know, there, there, there are t- body double, like there, there are tons of these movies and, <clears throat> I actually like the 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 sort of subgenre or, or riff of Rear Window and, and even sort of the remakes or rehashes of them. I'm not against doing them. Just just have fun with it though. Like actually yeah. push things to the limit and 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 not be afraid to, you know, be graphic or even politically incorrect to a certain way the only thing that's politically incorrect here that i cringed at is sort of the son ethan the character and his portrayal you know being somebody yeah. with a, with a mental illness and sort of you know yeah. not being defined specifically by whatever it is he has because they don't really want to name something because then they'll have to be right true to to the illness yes exactly and uh i'd agree with you that that character is probably the the most icky in in the whole thing of like the portrayal um and then everything else just feels kind of watered down and um i just didn't really have much of a reaction to any of it other than being like oh yeah this is really overly directed but like still kind of bland and then like um yeah it's just it's twists and turns are kind of you know pretty standard fare when it comes to stuff like this and there's nothing overly shocking or interesting or uh i know some people really like the book and we should briefly touch on that and like the people involved in this movie i mean you have scott rudin producing it yeah and his name is still uh, on it (laughs) yeah and and then you have the the novel written by aj finn and 
um if you guys don't know about this guy like go go look him up but like there's this whole controversy with him that he you know stole a lot of you know this movie or i mean this novel from the uh from copycat eric the 1995 movie yes that makes total um, sense with Sigourney like, weaver playing an agoraphobic sort of yeah uh, uh crime professor profiler and holly hunter kind of being the bone collector as well is very similar to this and I'll give a shout out. Uh, Phil Brown messaged yes. us and was like, "You guys should um, look this guy up because the New Yorker put out a great article in uh, February uh, February eleventh, twenty nineteen. If you guys want to look up the issue, because I have Apple News Plus, so I went back and looked at uh, the issue and and found the article, and it is a giant profile on this guy. I didn't get to read the entire thing beforehand. And his name is Dan Mallory. Kinda, like, the, the, yeah, the, his pen name is is, is of course he has a pen name. Fuck this guy. Um, but anyways, he like I guess lied about his like uh uh mother um uh dying of cancer um he lied about himself suffering from cancer and having a brain tumor um he lied uh about losing his brother to suicide um so both his mother and his brother were still alive so that was all a lie and then people accused him of stealing a lot of this uh, uh the content from his novel from copycat and there's more there's a lot more too but he sounds like a giant shit bag. So, um, always sucks when people still adapt, you know, cause it was a popular novel or something like that. Even, you know, when someone has, you know, a shitty background like that, they get kind of rewarded. Um, and again, with Scott Rudin being a producer as well, I mean, that's, you know, he got away with it for a long, long ass time. And only recently was like, mm, okay, I'm going to step back. <laughs> um, well, Amy Adams not- also being in uh hillbilly elegy, uh, written by JD yeah, Vance. A, as you well. had a great tweet. Yeah, you had a great tweet. Being like Amy Adams in Netflix movies with problem by problematic actors or uh, yeah, authors. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of just shitty as well, and it just shows you like all this stuff when we're saying derivative is like, oh, that's actually true because he literally st- seemed to have stolen a lot of it from. A movie he saw <laughs> yeah although so, there's no character in this that's as gross as harry connick jr was in uh copycat i remember I, I haven't seen copycat in a very long time but the one scene i remember is that harry connick jr has like gross like adult acne and there's a scene where he licks an envelope in a really disgusting way you'll love to see it <laughs> anyways um so anyways yeah fuck that guy um i'm that has nothing to do with the content of the movie per se but um it's just kind of also shitty to just see people like that rewarded or um you know still get an adaptation of their movie because people seem to go well okay we'll just forget about that we'll still adapt the movie because it'll be you know profitable or whatever yeah it's uh and again i mean and music by Danny Elfman. Oh, oh yeah, and that's the other thing. Apparently, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were supposed to originally do the score. Oh, wow. And there are a couple of, of of sort of themes throughout that kind of replay that kind of sound a little bit like. I wonder if that that probably would have helped me enjoy it a little bit more because just because I fucking love those guys. Yeah, and um, their score would have brought some atmosphere maybe to the movie that it's like missing. <laughs> But like Elfman, we talk about this frequently that he's just become a, he's a shell of almost a, man. a yeah a gun for hire guy where you're like, oh, okay, Danny Elfman did that. Wouldn't have thought that until his name popped up. Danny Elfman did Fifty um, Shades. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. So uh, anyways, I don't think it's very good. Um, it 
yeah, I, I, I'm trying to see who I would suggest this to if there's like, because there's not much coming out, but theaters are starting to open and you're having more and more options. So uh, do I suggest, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. I'll give it that. <laughs> so yeah. automatic half star. But this could have been fun. Like this yeah. should have been entertaining. With everyone who's in it, the, you know, cinematographer, the writer, Joe Wright, even being a guy who is you know, talented. Um, it had all the ingredients there. It's just somehow you, it you, didn't even have to be gone it. girl. Like it didn't have to be on no. the level of gone girl. Like it just had to be enjoyable, a Friday night fright flick in a way, you know, and it's not that it's, it's, it's just boring. It's superficial. Um, forgettable. Yeah. You like, it's one of those movies that people will, maybe watch this weekend because they're flipping through Netflix and see Amy Adams face on a poster and be like, Oh, it's a new Amy Adams movie. I'll watch it. And then, you know, they'll watch it and be like, Oh, it was fine. Whatever, you know, time waster. And like you said, it's only an hour, 40 minutes. So, you know, there's no offense there in terms of like, if this was two hours, I would be concerned. Um, We're over. We're over. But yeah, it's there's 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 not a lot to say about the actual film. It's just more to do with sort of the production and the behind the scenes that's almost more interesting than the movie itself. Yep, I agree. Um, I will give it a. I'm being generous, but a two point five. I'm also being generous and giving it a two, because <laughs> Joe Wright has directed a worse movie, uh, The Soloist, with Robert Downey Jr. and God, uh, I remember seeing that Jamie Fox. Ooh, boy. I remember there was a string because uh, I saw Hannah at AMC Whippy and then I also saw the soloist at AMC Whippy with an ex-girlfriend. Um, Hannah, I remember not liking. How old were we when Hannah came out? Hannah it was, was like 2011, 2012. Okay. But I think the way that they marketed Hannah was a disservice to the movie because they marketed it as an action assassin like thriller, right? And yeah. it was more of a quiet like – I, I just remember it being much slower than the marketing perceived it as. And then at that time, I was a dumb 20-year-old or whatever. Um, I was just like, that oh, movie was boring. You were, <laughs> like, you were it, the classic blue plate sp- special back then. Yeah, the yeah, point exactly. Break, you know, special. Yeah. Uh, I just remember being like that simple-minded, like that movie was fucking boring, man. Like um, that kind of shit and um, not really enjoying Hannah. But then I remember seeing Soloist too and just – Oh, Soloist is terrible. And like that's, I remember it being bad. That's yeah. the film that came out like right after Downey Jr. kind of came back with Iron Man and Wright had done Atonement. And so like everybody was saying, oh, this is going to be another Oscar film. It wasn't. Um, what I love about Hannah, though, is that it's just a classic survival thriller. And like, yeah, I agree with you. Like it's 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 marketing was misleading in that it was trying to create like something that was more sort of adrenaline filled and fueled and, 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 you know, having Sir Sharon in it and, and working with, with Joe Wright again. I mean, Joe Wright is the, is the guy who kind of introduced the world to Sir Sharon because atonement was their first film. Um, to me, like it actually makes it, it would make a really good double bill with, you know, like we haven't reviewed it on this show, but um, you know, those who wish me dead, like it kind of plays in that kind of atmosphere where like you think it's going to be kind of just all action, but there's more character beats throughout, you know, right. like it's, it's, it's yeah, closer to Leon to as well. Yeah. The professional where like, and I love Leon yeah. and I just think it was at the time, the marketing probably, cause that happens quite frequently. We see it a lot with a 24 horror movies and things like that too, where like, um, I've learned now, um, uh, 
that, you know, don't really trust the marketing and just uh, go in with an open mind and don't go in with expectations of being like, this is going to be X, Y, Z. But like a lot of times it can go the other way too, where you go in thinking a movie's one thing and it ends up being something much better than that because it is something a little deeper. But uh, anyways, we're getting... Um, off off the rails um thank you all for listening um if you like this we have a lot of other reviews that we would love for you guys to go check out right now uh we have reviews for uh profile oxygen that like eric mentioned uh guy Ritchie's wrath of man um yeah the mitchells Without versus Remorse, the machines mitchells versus the machines things heard and seen another netflix movie stowaway another netflix movie or amazon amazon here, here. So, netflix in the um, u.s so lots of Netflix content over on the site right now because, you know, those are the only things that are really coming out here in Ontario. Um, if you're listening to this, we won't have a review for Spiral or Those Who Wish Me Dead this weekend. Um, you know, just based on Spiral's not getting released here in Ontario. So um, we're waiting or forced to be waiting to we'll uh, review when VOD. the premium VOD releases, yeah. which should be up. in like 45 days. I think that's what's the new window on most things. And then those who wish me dead, uh, we'll probably get to uh, next week at some point. It's just, I have to rent it this weekend and watch it with uh, Nevis. So um, I will do that. Um, our newest draft, our 91st draft is out right now on the untitled movie podcast feed. Please go subscribe to that. Uh, we talk about our new letterboxd HQ, which you guys can go check out. Uh, it's, uh, at untitled podcast on letterboxd. We talk about maybe getting vaccinated, uh, uh, David Cronenberg's new movie, uh, let there be carnage, Pam and Tommy, a bunch of other stuff. So go check out that. Um, as well um like i mentioned you can follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast please go check out that letterboxd it's our hub for all of our reviews all of our lists all of our uh, new drafts all of everything is up there i started adding more lists of eric's tops movies my top movies of last year sundance ranked all this stuff is all it's going to be the main hub for everything untitled so please go check that out yeah you're doing a really um, amazing job and sort of keeping that updated Thanks, man. I'm really proud of it. I really like, um, and we're already past like followers on that than our Twitter account, right? Because so it's like, it's like, uh, it's it's awesome. So thank you everyone who's gone over there and followed, and um, I think it'll be a great spot, a great hub for everything. Um, You can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rorabek, including Letterboxd and Twitter, and those are where I'm most active. Um, And my work is right now at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, but I'm hoping to freelance a bit more in the future. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogertcv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Do you think Joe Wright's ever eaten at Taco Bell? <laughs>